Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Quick, behind that conveniently shaped lamp. Sup, bro? You know what's up, brother? It's been eight days and you still haven't recalibrated your puzzles. You just hang around outside your station. What are you even doing? Staring at this lamp. It's really cool. Do you want to look? No! I don't have time for that. What if a human comes through here? I want to be ready. I will be the one! I must be the one! I will capture a human! Then, I, the Gate Papyrus, will get all the things I utterly deserve. Respect. Recognition. I will finally be able to join the Royal Guard. People will ask to be my friend. I will bathe in a shower of kisses every morning. Hmm. Maybe this lamp will help you. Sons, you are not helping! You lazy bones, all you do is sit and boondoggle. You get lazier and lazier every day. Hey, take it easy. I've done a ton of work today. A skeleton. Sons! Come on, you're smiling. I am, and I hate it! Why does someone as great as me have to do so much just to get some recognition? Wow, sounds like you're really working yourself. Down to the bone. Yeah! I will attend to my puzzles. As for your work, put in a little more backbone into it. <laughs> Class is in session, and today it's all about Undertale. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG. And this week, I've pulled him from the past all the way back in episode 21 on Chrono Trigger. One of the voices behind the Reignite podcast, Screen Snark, Creative Quarantine, Crash Chords, and the Fun Games podcast. Matt Storm, a.k.a. Stormageddon, returns to the university. Welcome back, my friend. How are you today? I am doing really well. I am glad to be back. Glad to have you back. It's been a while. It's been it's been some time, You've been a busy RPG professor since I'd last been on here. I and have. I've, I've since dug through the backlog because there are some RPGs that like I don't mind listening to an episode even if I haven't mm -hmm. played it because I'm not going to get to play it. But I ignored your Dragon Age episodes on purpose till I played them and I finally gotten to listen to all of them and they were great. It was great. Nice. Oh, I thank you. Yes, you just got done doing a big uh, series playthrough, didn't you? I did. I did. Though I jumped ship on Inquisition to play my fancy new PS5 and some other games, but I will go back to Inquisition. But I, <laughs> I went backwards. <laughs> I beat Inquisition and then did Dragon Age Origins to Awakening to 2. So, Which was your favorite? Ugh, I, I'm with you and Josh, too. I think 2 is the best game in the series because I'm a Mass Effect fan and it feels mm. the most like Mass Effect. It's the most streamlined. You're not traveling all over the world. Like Inquisition just feels so big, and I love the game, but there's too much in it. I feel mm -hmm. like I feel like two has the 
the best just kind of framework i yes the dungeons are repetitive we know the internet knows but i think everything else about it is great definitely has some of the best characters in the series for sure very cool yes it does have some very very good characters but dragon age aside we are here today to talk about some undertale from toby fox now this game initially released back in 2005 it got its first release on the pc on windows and apple up the apple operating system back on september 15th 2015 it would later get a linux port on july 17th of 2016 it would defy most expectations and arrive on console on the playstation 4 and playstation vita on october uh, excuse me on august 15th 2017 and would finally come to nintendo switch on september 18th 2018 now to get your mind back in the the mindscape you're back in the vibes of 2015 here are some other games that you might have been playing in 2015 first off we had metal gear solid v or 5 whichever you prefer to say call it by bloodborne fallout 4 the witcher 3 pillars of eternity final fantasy 14 heavens ward xenoblade chronicles x batman arkham knight halo 5 guardians and dying light just to name a few so basically 2015 was a freaking stacked year for video games yeah it's wild that all of those games came out that year like i i mean i remember the big ones for me that year were fallout 4 and witcher mm -hmm. 3 one of those was the disappointment you can decide um <laughs> you know and then arkham knight i like i love the arkham series and even though yeah. i didn't play it at the time you know stuff like dying light and metal gear solid i know how big those games are it's just, it's wild the the list yeah. of things that came out that year and then bloodborne that people are still like rabid for um yeah that definitely needs that next gen update patch or just a remaster <laughs> but a lot of good games to keep yourself busy when you're not playing undertale uh in essence but speaking on undertale what was kind of your background matt on undertale like when did you first get into this game so it's funny undertale is a rare game for me in a lot of ways for one i got into it after it came out which isn't as rare i feel like you and i have talked about this before just in passing about the the dearth of games like it's very easy to like not get to games till years later but for me with undertale i actually didn't play it till it came to the switch and it mm -hmm. was even a while after i had seen so I had not heard of Undertale. I had not heard of Toby Fox. I had not even heard of the Halloween hack that he did for Earthbound. I didn't have any of that context. I mm -hmm. was a fan of the show The Completionist on YouTube. Uh, Gerard, Good show. who's been Good completing show. games for so long. I've been a fan since he started, since his fifth episode or whatever. He did an Undertale episode. And this back when he was still doing spoilers in his show, back on March 25th of 2016, and so he he did all of the playthroughs. He did the the um, the you know incomplete pacifist run, the true pacifist run, and the the um, genocide run. And like I hadn't heard of Undertale, but I'd watched all of his other videos, and I was like, all right, I'll watch this. And like mm -hmm. seeing what this game was about, and seeing and having it spoiled for me, but seeing how it worked made me want to play it more, which usually isn't the case. Usually you get a spoiler for a game or TV or movie, and you're like, ah, well, I guess I won't bother now. But there was something about the design of this game, the mm -hmm. way it was created, and the the meta of it for sure was the biggest part. I was like, I'm curious about this. I actually really want to play it. And I never got around to it. And then when it came out on Switch, 
and I loved my Switch and was looking for more mm-hmm. games to buy on it back in 2017. And so I was like, all right, I'm, well, I might as well get it, right? It's out on this. I might as well play it. And I fell in love with it from the moment I started playing it. Very cool. Very cool. For me, my t- first time actually playing through Undertale uh, was last year. I played it through in 2020. Uh, I had heard the the ravings of how uh, of what a high pedigree of a game it is, how amazing it is, and uh, with the ample amount of time on my hand during quarantine and whatnot, I was like, okay, let's let let's play it. Let's see how it stacks up and everything. As a big fan of Earthbound and those old sixteen and eight bit RPGs, I gave it a, gave it a go, and it was just as charming and endearing as um as everyone had made it out to be. I love that it wasn't too long. It, it didn't really overstay its welcome. The zany characters in the game, the mind-blowingly amazing soundtrack that Toby did. Um, it, it was one of those games uh, that I can see why people absolutely, absolutely adore. Yeah, it's absolutely the aesthetics. I mean, you mentioned the music, which is... like I <laughs> We haven't gotten into it yet, but when we get to mm. our monster of the week... I, as soon as I picked the monster, I heard its theme music in my head because it's so <laughs> memorable. Um, but yeah, the character is absolutely charming. Like, And I guess it's safe to say we're going to get a little bit into spoiler territory with this game because yeah. it's really hard to talk about it in depth without it. And like, I remember when I was playing it the first time, I knew that you could do a true pass fist run mm-hmm. to some degree. And I knew that like that was the thing that turned this game on its head. That you don't actually have to fight these monsters. You can befriend them or, you know, show mercy or run away. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went into the game knowing that. However, I didn't know when that started or how to do it. And so I was like, all right, in the training fight with um, with everyone's favorite uh, goat mom, Toriel, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to fight her because I'm supposed to. But then, you know, after the fight is over, mm-hmm. she'll probably tell me what to do. And I killed her. And I was so upset that I immediately oh, wow. reset the game. Mm-hmm. What was wild was as soon as I started it back up again and started a new save file, Flowey shows, showed up like he did the, the, does the very first time you play. And he said, second thoughts? Did you make a mistake? maybe this time don't go all out. Maybe don't kill her. And then you go into the game and I'm like, what the hell is this game? What's happening? Yeah. It's so <laughs> wild. And like, and then when you meet Toriel again, mm-hmm. she's like, it's like you think for a second to tell her that you've seen her die, but then you don't. And I was like, what? What am I playing? This game is wild. Yeah. Uh, I, I've only really played through it once, though. But I know of that. Uh, multiple playthroughs like things changed and that was one of the big reasons why a lot of people for the longest time thought this game could not be done on a console just with how saves are handled um Mm -hmm. and callbacks and things that can randomly appear when you play but hearing and kind of looking into all the little aspects of undertale that can change or be different from one playthrough to the next just on like these random save values and stuff it's ridiculous and such a creative way to encourage multiple playthroughs. In addition to the, like, like you, I knew of the true pacifist run. I know I knew of the genocide run. I knew true neutral and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's astonishing what they were able to accomplish. And like the whole time. So I read for a little behind the curtain as it were, uh, when Scott approached me to come back on the show and do undertale, I hadn't played it since I originally played it two years ago. 
And she's like, all right, I know it's only like a six to eight hour game, depending on how mm-hmm. detailed you're getting. I can I can do that in a week. Let me play through it again. And so I started playing it again. And like, Flowey doesn't greet you in the beginning on my second playthrough. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like, Flowey's always mm-hmm. there. And then like, there were other things that I was doing. And every so often, I'd be like, I don't remember this. Or I would be like, this seems different. And it, like, it's just, it really makes it always feel like a new experience. And like, mm-hmm. I also did a ton of stuff I didn't do in my first playthrough. Like, I didn't go to the Hidden Laboratory on my first playthrough. I didn't befriend Undyne on my first playthrough mm-hmm. or help um, Alfie, Alphys. So like, I did all of that on the second playthrough and saw even more of the game than I saw it last time. And it's just the fact that you can, a game that you can replay and find more. I mean, it's no secret. I like those kinds of games. The last episode I was oh, on yeah. was Chrono Trigger. So like, it just, it, it astonishes me and it makes me just want to play it more. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And uh, what were some of the biggest takeaways or the, the things that stood out replaying it just recently? So much. I mean, what I love about this game is that it doesn't preach to you, but it delivers a really heartfelt story without mm-hmm. having to um, like hit you over the head with it, you know, just by commu- yeah. just by being itself. But like the biggest things that stood out to me is just the, how much it values friendship, how um, the different characters interact. Um, I heard way more of the music. Also, how this game can both be charming, silly, stupid, goofy, and absolutely terrifying is astonishing to me. Like, the Hidden Laboratory, I knew about it because, again, I had watched The Completionist overly complete this game. But, like, going into the the secret laboratory by myself, like, sitting in my basement at, like, 10 o'clock at night when the music starts to play and, like, you see these amalgamates, it just, it's terrifying. It's actually legitimately spooky. Mm -hmm. Um in a way that I just didn't expect. Uh, and then, like, I think I really got to see these characters in a way that, while I enjoyed them on the first time, I really got to sit with them this time. Because even though I think I was in a hurry to get it done, I was mm-hmm. more determined, which is an important word in this game, uh, I was more determined to see more of it because I know I had missed stuff and I knew I had not seen things with certain characters. And, like, even characters or bosses I expected to be there weren't there in this game or certain doorways weren't there in this game. It was, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's really wild that that dynamic save system and how well it works. And I'm like, I will never do a genocide run because I'm told that once you do it, it, it kills the game in the sense that um, you can't like Chara, which is the name of the young child. If you do a genocide run, is there always, even if you do try and do a pacifist run afterwards, like there are hints of Chara there. And that, that's really creepy also. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's why, like if I ever did a genocide run, I'd need to buy a separate copy of the game on a different system and only do that. And then never play it again on that system. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the big things uh, when I played, I, I, because of knowing about the genocide and pacifist route, I, work to do the pacifist route my first time playthrough but there is one fight where i accidentally killed the enemy so i accidentally killed a single creature or a single enemy in the in my playthrough so i couldn't get it but uh one of the things that i really remember is when it was revealed like for the entire time it's uh like there's love and experience but it turns out that love is that just an acronym for level of violence and exp is execution points like it's 
yep. it flips it on its head and it's like, whoa, that's it's dark and it's like this pixelated, cute, you know, sprite that's telling you this and it's in in terms of the visuals, like Flowey's uh, different forms and oh. he was terrifying. Like to open the game with uh, Flowey mm-hmm. uh, uh, is ugh. like even still, like it's just creepy. Flowey is always creepy, and like in the Trapacifist run, you know, Flowey doesn't appear until towards the end after the laboratory, mm-hmm. um, and then like he locks you at a certain point into doing the final. F- quote-unquote fight with um the king which you don't Mm -hmm. fight the king in the true pacifist route instead you fight flowey and it's revealed that flowey's actually um asriel um the king and queen's dead son Mm -hmm. and like he wants the power to resurrect and then take revenge and you have to fight him and it's a similar kind of boss fight to flowey in the fact that you cannot die the game Mm -hmm. mechanics tell the story but like there is not a lot of voice acting in this game. There's sound and pixels used to depict voices. And, like, yeah. it's funny. When we did the intro, I was going to put on a voice for Sans, and then I thought about how Sans's voice is sort of emulated by the by the sounds. And I was like, mm-hmm. actually, his voice is kind of deep and low based on how it's displayed. So I'll just do that. Um, but, like... Flowey has a laugh and laughs mm-hmm. often in the game and it's creepy and like his distorted expressions when he's not being a cute flower and that final boss fight before the true pass ending where you're fighting this giant tentacled creepy monster with like TV screens in it like this game needs Toby Fox knew how to use the limitations of what he was creating essentially was a Super Nintendo game but yeah. pushing those barriers just a little bit I talk about this a lot whenever I talk about Shovel Knight you know Shovel Knight's a game where it is not a Super Nintendo game. It's designed to look like one, and then it pushes the boundaries of that just a little bit sound-wise and graphics-wise. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Undertale does that absolutely the same way. Like The music probably could work on a Super Nintendo, but it's just a little more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, it's just a little more mm-hmm. erratic than might would have been done by the sound chip on the, the SNES. And then the graphics, like th- there, there are some really strange and weird graphics that come through in this game that you could never have on a Super Nintendo. I just, I love it. I love the aesthetics of this game. And like, I always liked Undertale based on what I read about it and the videos I watched and then the playthrough I did. But after the second playthrough, like I really fell in love with this game in a way that I, I, I was kind of on the cusp of just mm-hmm. because you can see all of the care in this game. Like, it's clear that Toby Fox really cares about this world and these characters and wanted to do something different. And I can't, like, there's no other RPG like this. Like, I would say Chrono Trigger is similar in the sense that it has different endings based on what you do. Right. But even that, that's still programmatic to the game and doesn't, there's no randomness. It's if you take certain actions, you get certain ending. This game has a ton of randomness that still works so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting and very unique game in, in the RPG genre. And it does so many uh, exciting and fun and intriguing things that sets it, that sets it apart. Um, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see how he has continued to evolve his style of game with Deltarune whenever that releases. Um, but in terms of the side characters and side bosses, one of the things that 
struck continues to this day to strike me about this game is not only the uh like the black and white art style in combat but it's all the kind of silly and unique characters and mini bosses and whatnot you face like the the thief doggo who's like wearing a tank top and looking all shifty with his daggers or the really kind of depressed looking ghost the um napstabluk um i believe it was called yeah it's it's just so funny and silly and then you have great uses of color um like with asgore when you fight him he has that bright red like blood red trident he uses um and then of course the final fight which is like super creepy flowy photoshopped with bunches of things and he just peppers the screen with bullets it's um the visual art style and aesthetic of this game is 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 quite stupendous i think yeah totally and like you mentioned the side characters like every enemy type i remember i may not know their names but like i definitely remember froggit the first creature you fight you Mm -hmm. know uh, or encounter rather um because you don't have to fight any of the characters um but like there are also enemies that in my first playthrough that i fought that i didn't encounter at all in my second playthrough at all through the whole game which is interesting to me also um but like the design of all of the characters are so unique and interesting like that's what also goes against a typical sprite based game is typically in your chrono trigger your final fantasy 6 your um you know even later stuff like octopath traveler there's a design style and then all of the characters fit within that design style to a degree. And then there are monsters or bosses who are really different. Whereas mm-hmm. in this, there are almost two, no two sprites that look the same. Um, yeah. it, it, every character has their own unique design. And even in transition moments, like Undyne is this, you know, massive armored, you know, uh, badass knight. And then when she, when you defeat her, then she's in a tank top and jeans and she's just hanging out. And like, she's a mm-hmm. different, she carries herself different. She looks different. Like every design and decision that it was made in this game for presentation is absolutely intentional to, I wouldn't say a fault, but to a nth degree, like Toby absolutely knew what he was doing. Like there are on, the only design that repeats is when you encounter the base level dog, that mm-hmm. appears in different moments in the game. That's the only one I can think of beyond that version of dog. Even every other dog looks different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, who would, who would you say was your favorite boss? Like I love Metaton, like the, the <laughs> murderous game show host robot built by Alphys. Like I thought that was hilarious and how you just, he had, he, like, he was this invincible robot that couldn't be destroyed and everything, but he just had, like, an off switch on his back. Yeah. And I was like, what? This is so silly and, and lovely. Yeah, Metaton is... That fight's great. And it's funny. Uh, Metaton... I, I, I knew Metaton had a second form, not from other spoiler stuff that I read, but because a friend of mine, Lute Alfred Douglas, who's a burlesque performer, um, he does a Metaton act... And I've never seen it, but his outfit is based on the second form of Metaton, the more like mm-hmm. I don't, sexualized and kind of like, you know, 
meant to be aesthetically beautiful like this you know charming version like this upgrade mm-hmm. version um and he doesn't act based on that and so i remember seeing that outfit on his instagram and being like oh that's cool i love that look and then when i fought Mataton, i was like oh now <laughs> i understand that that's amazing um favorite boss or enemy it's tough there's so many like i love the ro- the two royal guards that you fight yeah um because it's such a beautifully queer moment where you heat up one of the guards till he takes off his shirt and then the other guard starts to sweat and freak out if you <laughs> do that and like then uh-huh. you convince him to tell the other guard about his feelings and they go get ice cream like like this game is so unabashedly queer in so many places um and not every love in this game has to be romantic love either like there are mm-hmm. some awesome moments of love that are friendship based and or just familial based yeah. uh I think I think my uh, one of my favorite boss battle moments is probably is probably the final fight with Azrael in the True Pacifist run, and the reason is is because it is very akin to the final fight in Earthbound. It's got these mm-hmm. moving colors in the background, and all of the attacks are like over the top, and the whole time. Like, it, you don't die over and over again in the same way you do in the Flowey fight. Like, the progression is a little slower. Like, they kind of make you, like, it's a little torturous because it's meant yeah. to feel futile, uh, even though the Flowey one does too, to a degree. And, like, the whole time you're just getting backstory from Azrael and, like, you're talking to him and he's telling you why he wants to take over the world. And, like, of course you win the day with actual love and kindness. And it's just... It's such a really cool and intricate battle because, again, it's not, um, you know, if you're not fighting him, if you're not killing him, if you're doing mm-hmm. the pacifist route, there there are certain things you get to do in that fight that you wouldn't do in another RPG and you don't do in any other fight in this game. And there are so yeah. many of those moments in this mm-hmm. game, too. Uh, and also, shout out to that music track that plays during that fight. Probably oh, one of my favorite. It's a good one. There, there is so much good music in this game, and I'm a person who obsesses about video game music. Um, well, on the episode about Chrono Trigger, we talked about me mm-hmm. owning a physical copy of the Chrono Trigger soundtrack. Like, uh, I love the Mass Effect soundtracks off the top of my head, the Shovel Knight soundtrack. Like, yeah. Undertale is one of those soundtracks that is just so beautifully done, but also not just the soundtrack, the sound design. All of oh, the yeah. different sounds that are used to emulate the voices of the character uh that's talking not unlike um banjo kazooie even like Mm -hmm. it's a sound repeating uh to to give the effect of a voice um but the sound effects the the lack of sound like when you go into that secret lab for the first time and there's no music and certain Mm -hmm. sections of the game where they pull out the music to kind of make it feel eerier like all of that is so brilliantly crafted um, it, it it just sucks you in. And the music is a huge part of that, too, uh, from the slower mm-hmm. stuff to the more upbeat stuff. It's all really great. Uh, touching on the uh, the voice, like how they've kind of given the characters bit-tuned voices, um, just kind of going back to and the care that Toby Fox put into this game, how every NPC has like their own unique... Uh, audio cue for their uh, for their voice or 
how little things like characters will have different fonts associated with their speech. Um, just so many interesting little things that allude and kind of hint at bigger things, I guess. Um, like how Sans's font is a sans type font. Same yeah. with Papyrus. Uh, just such silly things like that. Uh, as just overflows this game with charm. For sure. And I mean, again, something we were talking about before, the meta of the game. The fact mm -hmm. that when I played the second time and Sans slowly and creepily sneaks up behind you and then you turn around and shake his hand and a whoopee cushion goes off. In my playthrough, the second one I did, I turned around before he said anything. He's like, oh, uh, how did you know? Like, Or like there are other times where Sans will be like, you know, have we been here before? This seems familiar. Mm -hmm. Or even like there's at one point during... I think the first puzzle section where you go to one side of the room and he's there and then you walk to the other side of the room and he's there, but you don't see him move and you mm -hmm. can't see both sides of the screen completely because he's just on the edges of it. It's just like, it's those kinds of things that they play with that like just make this game astonishing. And the fact that it acknowledges a world outside of the game, it acknowledges other worlds and other universes. You mentioned Deltarune earlier. Like I've, I ate up part one of Deltarune. And yeah. We have no idea when the rest of them are coming. I played Deltarune part one actually on an extra live stream because I'd never played it and I knew it was only a couple hours long. And like, I'm obsessed with Susie and I love those characters and the ending of Deltarune, which I won't ruin here because there's still so much more to come from that game. Like it wrecked me because I was like, what does this mean? What does it mean? You know? And I love that also Undertale is the kind of game that gives you answers and you get endings, but there's still moments that are unexplained in the game and they don't spell them out for you. They let you put mm -hmm. the pieces together. Like even the, the Gaster stuff, you know, with the secret lab, like I didn't see Gaster when I was there, but I know Gaster doesn't always appear and there are triggers for him. And sometimes he doesn't like, I think in copies of the game, he may not even exist. Like there's a percent chance. Like it's just mm -hmm. wild that there's a haunted character also that we don't have clear answers for who Gaster was. Uh, unless you watch theory videos, those folks have tons of guesses, but like, there are even wild theories about like Sans being from Earthbound and like this being connected to Earthbound somehow, uh, like because the amalgamates appear in the Halloween hack of Earthbound, which Toby made. Like just wild stuff like that to have a game that mm -hmm. creates that kind of speculation. I love that. I love a good mystery. Yeah, and I love I love games that offer uh, that give birth to communities and these like deep theory crafters. Um, Absolutely. It's, I feel like it's such an interesting and community driven way to extend the life of a game. Like these deep dives and looking at every little aspect of a game. Um, I, 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 this, it's also part of what I appreciate about like the five nights at Freddy's franchise, even yeah. though I don't really play those games. I, love the lore videos like matt pat's game theory videos of um everything with five nights at freddy's i love the undertale theory and lore videos um i i love to hear and listen to those things almost as much as i do almost as much as i like to play the game itself like just kind of opening my mind i was like okay 
yeah, that I could see how that would work. Or, oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way before. Like that sort of stuff, I I just eat up. Same. Uh, like I I I'm still a fan of Matt Pat. I know a lot of folks on the internet don't love Matt Pat. They think he's cheesy and corny. Whatever. That's fine. Um, but I've been watching his videos for a long time too, and I was the same way. Like I watched Markiplier play the Five Nights games to experience them because I was braver when I was watching a video than trying to play them myself. Um, mm-hmm. But then once Matt Pat started doing the theory videos, like I was fascinated by digging for that story. I wasn't going to dig for it, but I was happy to watch someone else do it. And there's tons of that for Undertale too. And I think, like, speaking of Undertale, you know, Deltarune, it is unclear if Deltarune is an alternate universe, a sequel. And, like, you can run in, you a lot of the characters from one game are in that game too. And, like, when you run into Sans, he's kind of separate from a lot of the other characters and, like, makes commentary of familiarity and stuff, like, because you know his name. It's just it, those kinds of things I love, and I want more Deltarune just so I can know how they're connected. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't – do I want a direct sequel to Undertale that allows you to pick up where you left off or see what happened to that kid? I don't know that I do. I like the, the various endings feel complete. I think that that story is a complete experience and doesn't need a direct sequel. But if I found out that Under, Undertale was connected to Deltarune somehow and that those stories connected somehow, that would be really great. I would love that, you know? Um, and we get a little bit, like, in the true pacifist ending of seeing the monsters in the human world experiencing human stuff. Um, and so there's no ru- rule or law saying they can't be connected in that way, but it, it is definitely mm-hmm. unclear. Um, and I would love to know more, but I, I love this world. And I think I want I would love to talk a little bit about the, how long the game is because yeah, I'm a person who in my adulthood, and I'm curious if you agree, I have so much less time for games that the longer a game is, the less likely I am to play it. Um, and I'm talking about your like 60 to 80 hour games. Like, mm-hmm. like Persona 5 looks great and I really want to play it. And I tried playing it. But the fact that it's like 80 to 100 hours to do almost everything is just it, – it, it breaks my brain in a way because it's like who's got that much time? Now, to be fair, I put upon myself my four podcasts, my eight production jobs and other stuff. Mm-hmm. That's besides the point. But I love Undertale because of its length, that it's six to eight hours, especially if you explore every detail. And you can jump right back in afterwards or try again. Do you like – its length do you think it's long enough or did you feel like it was too short because i saw people complain that it was too short i never felt that way i think it's perfect it's a perfect length i think for what it is it's a perfect length uh like it does a lot of really cool things like i love the idea of being able to uh dodge and kind of pacify and become friends with the creatures or fight them if need be i don't think while I had fun with them, I don't know if either both the combat and that whole dodging thing is interesting enough to last for like a 20 hour long RPG. Like I think what they, what Toby Fox did in the like six hour, eight hour experience was like the perfect amount. It's like, it never really overstayed its welcome. It's like, okay, this is still kind it by the end of the game. It's still kind of novel and it, it's introduced enough kind of variation to it that it doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, so I think undertale is like a 
a good, a perfect length for what it is. I'd agree. Yeah. I think that the point of the game also is to tell the story more so than right. the mechanics. The mechanics are good and interesting, but like the main point is the story. And I think like having three different worlds plus the castle, having the ferryman quick uh, transport back um, mm-hmm. makes that game feel big enough without feeling too big or too drawn out. Also, just a quick shout out to the ferryman whose name I can't remember, who sometimes when you get on his boat, his boat rises out of the water. It has a dog head and has little dog feet and runs <laughs> on the water. Like, again, little details like that that just kill me about this game. Yeah. Um, but no, in terms of, like, I am still a huge sucker and I still love to play, even though I'm crazy busy and it requires me to stay up later some nights than i really should i still love my epic long rpgs like i just spent the past couple of years playing through the legend of heroes trails in the sky or trails series so in this trails in the sky trails of cold steel mm-hmm. it skyrocketed to one of my favorite rpg series of all time uh sure. i replayed persona 5 royal last year i absolutely adored it i love my final fantasy still so like as long as the story and the mechanics are good enough to warrant and keep me entertained for those long hours. I'm like, sign me up. I am all in, especially if it's like a sequel or something. But I think, I don't think the mechanical aspect, like the gameplay mechanical aspect of undertale is strong enough to, to last that 20 hours. I think it's perfect for the six to eight hours that it is though. I think that chef's kiss (laughs) it, yeah, I I agree. I and I and also like to be clear. Of course, I will play an eighty-hour RPG if it interests me enough to keep doing it. And right. I also play Mass Effect trilogy on an endless loop. So like, we all have our things that we want to play. Um, but I think I'm more attracted to shorter RPGs just because I feel like I can churn them out and like experience them and then move mm-hmm. on to the next thing. But absolutely, when the new Final Fantasy comes out, whenever that happens, the new single player one, I am absolutely going to play it and devour every second of it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know I know where my allegiances lie. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but yeah, it speaking of kind of touching back real quick on the Deltarune incorporation with Undertale. Uh wasn't isn't the Deltarune an actual like important artifact and mentioned in Undertale? It is and it's uh, it's okay. embroidered or emblazoned on uh on Azrael when you fight him at the end of the game yeah. when he takes his true form. So yeah, like and I believe they talk about the Undertale or the underground or something during Deltarune as well. So like they call to each other. So yeah. there's there is a definite connection. It's just unclear how and time wise mm-hmm. when, you know? Yeah. Okay. I was I just wanted to make sure because it's like <laughs> I could have sworn I encountered the Deltarune in Undertale. So that would explain it. Yeah. To see whether it's like a few generations ahead or something, I would like I think it would be cool to see maybe how the monsters living in the human world actually turned out and maybe get some of that bridge or do like a little mini side story or something yeah that that separate would be would be cool i would be all for Um, yeah i i would love if they found a way to use the data the way they programmed the game to have whatever sequel or other piece connect to it you know i talk about this on any podcast that will let me but what mass effect does with its connectivity between the games and dragon age 2 
uh, Dragon Age as well, not Dragon Age 2 specifically. <laughs> well, uh, 2 does it as well, so. Right. Um, I, I love that kind of interlocking gameplay that yes. it seems like only Bioware has done. Other games have done it, but not to the same degree. And so, like, I would love for Toby Fox to figure out some way to make your under your full Deltarune playthrough connected to your Undertale playthrough or an Undertale sequel connected to Undertale that way. Like, I just, I feel like more games should do that. It just seems like such a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, but at the same time, I feel like so many companies, like, unless, like, even Bioware, as fun as it was, the end, like, I feel like <laughs> there was a lot of buildup, but then they, like, really dropped the ball in the culmination, which, to to Bioware's credit, I'm not necessarily blaming them, because keeping track of everything and having, every, like, every choice you make be meaningful or, like, really make a difference would be insanely difficult, so right. I don't blame them for how they did it, but regardless of your choices, like, as the carryover was good until, like, not to beat the dead horse and I'm not going to get too deeply, but like the three colored endings. Yeah. And they did release a future patch that adjusted that and added some closure for your other teammates, but all that build up to one of three potential endings with minor fluctuations between your choices. I think it's very hard for a satisfying payoff. Yeah. With all the carryover and sure. But I, I'm completely with you. More games should carry over progress. That shit's awesome. <laughs> um, just, just do the, just stick the landing better, and every, every, everyone will be happy. Yeah. Ah, oh, what a good, what a good game. <laughs> <laughs> are not the only ones that love Undertale, so we are going around the web. We are starting with user Sherbert the Ostrich from Reddit. The true pacifist ending, the Elphys Undine date scene, the scene where you hide behind the lamp, and best of all, the scene where you hug Azriel. The whole game is a piece of art. Uh, yes, I agree yeah. on all of yep. that. I think that, I mean, it's just, it is. It is mm -hmm. a piece of art. I would absolutely use this game to be like games or art. But, like, e every scene is so expertly crafted. Like, yeah, there there is no story moment that feels superfluous. And that's impressive mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Because everything has superfluous moments to some degree or another. Um, but this is, this is a pretty tight game. And all of those moments and more are really, really great moments in the game. Um, uh, we have user uh, Agrius from Reddit. Um, all of Asgore, honestly. Love that guy. His speech at the end of his battle has to be w one of the best for me. Asgore is just a broken man who just wanted to do what was best for his people and ended up losing everything in the process. He's my favorite. Yeah, Asgore, especially in the Trupaspis run, like everyone just tells him what a fool he's been to do this and like you know, he ends up becoming your friend and everyone stays your friend, but like, no matter what the ending is, Asgore is just so blinded by wanting to do what's best for his people, he's not, he's no longer even checking in with his people anymore. He's just tortured trying to do what he thinks is best. You still got more from Agrius. 
Do I? Oh, I didn't realize. I thought it ended there. All right. I will read the rest. And I guess you can just <laughs> stitch this together. <laughs> <laughs> no, it works. Um, a peek behind the curtain, folks. I'm a professional podcaster, I swear. But the most heartbreaking moments were when Undyne's natural death, a neutral death, and Asgore's suicide. They're just so sad. The most frustrating moment, though, was when I was in my first time playing and I survived Undyne with 20 HP perfectly, but died to a pyro. I got so <laughs> mad. I survived Undyne with 20 HP, but couldn't do the same thing with a freaking pyro. Metaton EX was the hardest. Uh, battle in pacifist still is i always ended up with a sliver of hp sans was the worst battle taking me 122 tries to in total to defeat him yeah the reason i will the real reason i will never do a genocide run is because i've i've seen the sans battle and i just don't think i could ever do it because that's all skill based you can't brute your way through that you have to be good at the dodge mechanic and not die and i could never i just the battle is ridiculous <laughs> yeah i've watched videos on that and it's just like mm, i'm good <laughs> it's awesome that sans becomes like the essentially the final boss if you kill everyone mm -hmm. i think that's kind of wild yeah um, just because he's so different obviously if you take the neutral or pacifist route he's your best bud uh, although he does say in the past first route, I could kill you if I have to. And like, it gets really dark for a second. And then he's like, but lighten up. I'm, I'm not going to kill you. I don't want to kill you. It's just, <laughs> it was kind of like previewing what might happen if you weren't careful. Yeah. Um, let's see. Next up we have for our final submission this week, we have at auto crack excuse me, at auto underscore crack key on twitter i always liked the true lab part of the pacifist route totally different from the rest of the game and had some interesting lore yeah i mean we talked about the the, the true lab and how everything that really kind of goes on with that uh, earlier we touched on yeah i i i love how this game engages in lore but both from dialogue and through scenery and through little moments and big moments in the true lab mm -hmm. like there's not a lot of talking. It's a lot of reading screens and like encountering creatures, um, and it and it's just as terrifying and interesting and engaging as anything from a AAA game that I've ever played. Yeah, but very. It's definitely it. It's certainly a very cool area in the game and very unique. But. Thank you to everyone who has submitted your favorite memories and moments. Like always, I will include the th link to the thread down in the description in the episode's description below. So be sure to check that out and feel free to share your own favorite memories and moments from Undertale. Now, let's say after hearing Matt and I gush about Undertale, you're curious about where you can get it yourself. Well, we're here to help you. Now, it's this is pretty much at this point available uh, on all platforms digitally. Uh, you can get it on PC, PS4, Xbox. You can get it on Switch. Um, I think it's also on mobile devices. Don't quote me on that, but I think probably. Um <laughs> And prices will range between ten and fifteen dollars if it's on sale. So it's a it's a budget game 
it's like an indie price game, but there is so much value if you couldn't tell uh, from Matt and I's discussion on this. But if you want a physical version of it for your personal collection, on Nintendo Switch, the loose cartridge price look like is looking like right now it's range at about $26 price. Uh, complete in box, you're looking at about 30 and brand new, you're looking at about 40 For the PS4 version, slightly more expensive with a loose disc coming in at about $35. Complete in box, running you about 38 and new in box on the PS4 for about 50 The PlayStation Vita is around the same price as the Switch, with a loose cart going for about 26 Complete in box at 31 and a brand new one going for 34 And these prices are all courtesy of PriceCharting.com, so it could be it could fluctuate slightly. So let's say you have grabbed yourself either a digital copy or a physical copy of Undertale, and you are looking for some tips or advice as the new player you are. Well, we are here to help you out with that as well. Matt, what tips or advice would you give for new players? So uh, because I can cheat and see your outline, uh, a little peek behind the curtain, I am not going to go with my original piece of advice because you've got that covered. Instead, I'm going to help you with combat. Uh, typically, I'm a explore everything kind of guy. But combat in this game can be really hard. And I think the easiest thing to remember is that if you're doing the pacifist route, like if you're fighting, the combat for fighting is pretty straightforward. Kind of bland, to be honest, because... The idea is to deter you from killing things. Um, also, if you haven't played it at this point and you get to engage in this game in a similar way I did by being spoiled and then still wanting to play it, please tell me. I'm going to give my Twitter handle later, but I want to know if other people get that kind of drive from this as I do. Um, but that said, um, combat for the pacifist route, if you're looking to engage with these enemies, think logically about how to engage. Um, I am blanking on what the non-combat thing is called. Um, the the choice, the selection on the menu. Come on, Matt. Uh, act? Act. There it is. Thank you. Uh, when you act, which is the non-attack action, you can always check details about the, ca the enemy, uh, the monster, as it were, the character. And if that doesn't give you enough hint, like look at a character like there are characters who flex. Well, if they're flexing, why don't you try flexing at them? See what happens, you know? You can apply a lot of logic to how you solve getting them to be able to be given mercy and just leave. You can also run from battles, but there are some battles you can't run from, so it's good to think logically. But the combat isn't insanely challenging if you think about it. Also, uh, if you're not good at the mini games to survive the dodging bullets mini games that you do with your heart, just buy lots of healing items. Once you've equipped a new piece of equipment, if you can't sell the old one, just throw it in a box and just buy, max out your inventory with healing items. Especially <laughs> if you're doing the pacifist run, your HP never goes above 20 and every healing item heals you to full. So those are my best pieces of advice. Perfect, perfect. And my tip of advice much uh, is more on the uh, out of combat aspect is just explore interact and explore some more there are so many hilarious little bits of dialogue and easter eggs and things to discover and find in undertale that it will immensely improve your overall experience in this world just take your time enjoy it check everything and you really really won't regret it 
we are on to perhaps one of my favorite parts of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. Matt, what enemy have you brought to the arena this week? I have brought one of the goodest boys or girls. We don't really know the gender of this monster in all of gaming. The Greater Dog. Excellent. So why did you pick Greater Dog? Like what, what stands out to you about Greater Dog? The Greater Dog is an enemy that has the best theme music in the game. I say enemy. Any every game character in this game could be your friend, but the opponent, as it were, has the best one of the best themes in the entire game. The more you stare at Greater Dog, the more dogs you find amongst the Greater Dog. The spearhead's a dog. The head of the body's a dog. The body of the body's a dog. The tail is a dog. Um, and. I just, I love this fight because it just feels goofy in some of my favorite ways. I was just absolutely charmed by this um, opponent, as it were, you know, in a way that not every other enemy might charm you. It was just, it's goofy and fun, and the greater dog is where it's at. Excellent. The greater dog is a great, great dog. But you will first encounter greater dog in the Snowden Forest. The battle information, Greater Dog has 105 hit points. His attack is 15. His defense is 8. If you decide to kill him, why would you? He's a great boy. You will be awarded with 80 experience, or not experience, excuse me, EXP per the kill. For the gold, you will get 40 gold if you spare him and 60 gold if you kill him. He can, uh, the check, different acts you can use on him include check, pet, beckon, play and ignore so be sure to check out this great boy this greater boy in snowden forest during your playthrough in Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me here at the university again. This has been another great time with you, sir. I appreciate it. I love this show, and I'm always happy to be a part of it. My laundry list of games I'd love to chat with you about will always grow, and I hope you will bring me back another time in the future. Because this, Oh, of, of this, course, sir. This is just a delight. It's just such a great idea. You know, there are so many podcasts exploring games, but to explore RPG specifically and bend and stretch what RPG means, you know, mm -hmm. and what incorporates into the RPG, uh, I think is really great and worth discussing. Um, and from your group discussions to your, you know, your syllabuses to your, your just one-on-one -on -one chats, I, I love the show, so I'm happy to be here. Uh, well, thank you. That That's so kind of you to say, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it, and we will definitely have you back on the university. It's always fun talking to you about these amazing games. But where can people find you on the internet? What do you got cooking? Go ahead and plug yourself. Sure. So uh, the best place to find everything I'm doing is www.djstormageddon.com. Um, the best place to find me in the social space is Twitter, uh, DJ underscore Stormageddon. Um, I do a lot of different things, many podcasts. Um, I also Twitch stream. Twitch is also DJ underscore Stormageddon. The brand is strong. 
Um, but yeah, I love talking and podcasting, and uh, I have two great gaming podcasts that I'll pitch real quick on the show. Um, two and a half, we'll say. So I have Reignite, which is my Mass Effect retrospective podcast. I'm replaying through all of the Mass Effect games with my co-host Frankie Bradley Lestrange. Um, we are currently in the third season playing the third game, and yes, we are going to do Andromeda after. No, I haven't play it, played it. Yes, I'm waiting to play it for the show. The other podcast I have is Fun and Games. There are two shows in that feed. One is the main show, which is when we have guests to come talk about gaming, guests from the gaming space, or just have a conversation about video games. And then there's a side series within that feed called SideQuest. Each episode has a different host talking about a different game they love and why they love it. Scott was in the series very early on talking about his absolute undying love of Mega Man X. And I will hope that you will someday come back and do another episode. I would love to. Excellent. I would love to, sir. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> but big thank you to each and every one of you who's listened to today's episode. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I would really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion. Or just share your own favorite RPGs directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. And as always, everybody, stay safe, stay Stay healthy, be kind to one another, class dismissed.